Hello there. Thanks for listening to the Elevate Christian Church podcast. We exist as a church to connect people with God and each other. Today's message comes to us from our lead minister and preacher, Kevin Barton. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and challenges you in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy! Uh, We are in week three of our series simply entitled Light. And we're just kind of looking at stories in the Bible that involve the subject of light. And so just real quick review, two weeks ago, we simply learned that God is light. Not light is God, but God is light, that He is good. His light shines through the darkness. Last week, when we studied Gideon, we learned that you and I, and I don't mean this as an insult, but you and I are just kind of plain, everyday, ordinary people. We're like jars of clay, but we have inside of us the light of God that shines in us and through us. Well, as we continue this series today, uh, today's message is entitled Diminishing Light. Now, to begin, I read a rather disturbing report this week. Um, I follow a group known as the Barna Group, Uh, The Barna Group is actually a group that does statistical analysis uh, that deals with churches and church metrics. And Barna has has reported this, that since this COVID thing happened, so think way back in March, that one-third of practicing evangelicals, and what I mean by practicing those who go to church on a regular basis, that one-third of every congregation didn't come to church because we didn't have church here, didn't watch online. Uh, So they have essentially not been churched for six months. And the report states that it's been long enough that these people are not coming back. So just think about that for a minute. If you have a church of 300 people, automatically you now have a church of 100 people. One-third of your church, of this church, of every church in America, statistically speaking, are not coming back to church. They're not watching online. Uh, They have just kind of faded away. Uh, In this report, it broke down generations, you know, different generations, and the millennials fared the worst. There are already so many millennials that don't go to church, but 50% of millennials are not coming back. Listen, this is bad news. The American Evangelical Church just shrank right before our very eyes. The church as a whole is starting to diminish here in America. However, I want to talk to you about that subject, but I want to talk to you on more of a micro level because the church is not the building. The church is the people that come to the building. So I want to talk about your life specifically this morning. And I want to kind of preface it with this question. Is your light for God, in other words, your love for God, to obey God, to love other people and and treat them with kindness and to walk with God, is that light diminishing in your life? Are you walking in God's light? So to begin with, let me uh, read to you two passages, two passages of Scripture, and I want you to know that both of these passages of Scripture are not written to lost people. They are written to church people like you and I. 
The first is the Apostle Paul when he writes to the church that he started in the city of Ephesus. He says this in Ephesus 5.8. For at one time you were darkness. It didn't say you walked in darkness. At one time I was darkness. I was a sinner. I was lost. Okay. One time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. The second passage is written by the Apostle John to the church. It's 1 John 1, 7. He says this, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So we're instructed in both of these passages to walk in the light. And I want to remind you, both of these passages are written to you and I as Christians. They're written to encourage us to continue our walk with God, to stay on the narrow path, to stay in God's goodness, to stay in God's light, and to not go back and walk in darkness. The problem is that there's a large percentage of evangelicals who are walking in darkness. They saw the light, but their light has begun to diminish. They're not letting their light shine. It's not bursting forth. In fact, the opposite is true. Their light, their passion, their zeal for God is more like a flickering light bulb because they have little to no fellowship with God. And so when we kicked this series off two weeks ago, I gave you this illustration. Um, My wife and I bought these blackout curtains for our bedroom. These things are amazing. You put those curtains up, and if you close them, the sun can be shining right outside your window, just centimeters away, but your bedroom can be totally dark. And, and I love those curtains for sleeping purposes and maybe watching movies, but I begin to think that I think that's what many of us have done to God on a spiritual sense. God's light, God's glory is inches away from us. It's right there, but we put these blackout curtains up. We refuse to let God's light shine on us, in us, and through us. And the net result is that our fire, our zeal, the light we have burning inside of us will diminish with time. And so with that in mind, we're going to be in the book of Exodus today. And I want to set the scene uh, where we're going to land in the book of Exodus. We're going to be talking about a well-known Bible character, a man named Moses. Now, I'm not going to take for granted that everyone knows who Moses is. Most people know Moses was a pretty important figure in the Old Testament. Moses was actually, at this time, the leader of God's people who were wandering through the desert, wandering through the wilderness for 40 years because they were uh, grumblers and complainers and disobedient to God. And so they're just kind of on this exodus, kind of wandering through the wilderness. In the text, God calls Moses to take a hike up Mount Sinai. Now, Mount Sinai is this barren wasteland mountain in the high plains desert. I mean, take a look at this picture. This is not a place where you're going to put up a a bunch of vacation rentals for people to come and and enjoy uh, their time because there's nothing there. It's a barren wasteland. Moses spends 40 days on top of these mountains with the Lord. 
And while Moses is there, God will give Moses on two stone tablets what you and I know as the Ten Commandments. But before Moses receives those commandments from God, he has a request. He goes to God, he says, listen, I want to see your light. I want to see your glory. I want to lay my eyes on what you look like. I want to see you, God. We find this request and God's answer to this request in chapter 33 of Exodus. So let's go Exodus 33. We'll pick up in verse 18. Moses said, please show me your glory. And he, God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will pro proclaim before you my name, the Lord. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Verse 20, but he, God said to Moses, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. In other words, what God is saying to Moses is this, Moses your humanness can't handle my holiness. You, you can't gaze upon my face. If you tried to look at my face because you're a sinful human being, my, the light and, and the power and the holiness would literally cause your face to burn off. So I can't show you my face. You'll melt. But here I have a solution for you. Pick up in verse 21. And the Lord said, Behold, there's a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So in other words, God says, Moses, hike over here and get between those two big rocks. I'm gonna put my hand up so to cover you. I'm going to pass the front side that would kill you away. And when I get here, I'll take my hand and you'll be able to see the backside of God. Well, in Exodus 34, God does exactly what he says he was going to do. All right. Moses sees the back of God. And I want you to see what this causes uh, in Moses's life. Exodus 34, 29. He didn't even know it. He saw God. He grabbed the Ten Commandments. He heads down uh, to meet the Israelites after 40 days. Verse 29, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets, that's the Ten Commandments, of testimony in his hand, he came down from the mountain. Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Okay, so Moses sees the backside of God and it literally causes his face to glow, to radiate. And he doesn't even know that that's happening. I want to show you a picture of a young man. This young man is named Tyler Callahan. Tyler decided to go surfing for six hours uh, in the ocean, obviously, and didn't wear any sunscreen. Um, lifeguards said that this was the worst sunburn they'd ever seen on a person. Uh, he eventually was hospitalized for that, you know, all the blisters and stuff that, that happened, and, and he had to, to be treated. But, I mean, just look at this guy's face. Just look at the way it kind of glows and, and, and radiates. Now, um, that's just from a couple of hours exposed to the sun. Now, imagine Moses 
who sees the backside of God. God is much bigger and much more powerful than the sun. In fact, he just spoke the sun and all the stars into existence. Moses must have been some sight. I mean, he, when he came down, it must have been scary to the people who saw him. In fact, look at verse 30 of Exodus 34. Aaron, this is the brother of Moses, and all the people of Israel saw Moses and behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. In other words, he looked so noticeably different, it scared people. Um, I remember having a stepdad and, and most of the time that I knew him my whole life, he had a beard. I've always known him to have a beard. When I was about 10, 11 years old, I came home and he had shaven that beard off and it scared, I didn't know who he was. I literally ran out of the house because I didn't recognize him. I mean, just think about that's on steroids compared to what the people saw when they saw Moses' face. He spent 40 days in the wilderness. He'd been gone. Some people may have written him off. He had just seen the backside of God and his face literally glowed in the dark. So I want you to see his solution to this. Exodus 34, verses 34 and 35. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil. In other words, they were so scared that Moses had to mask his face so they couldn't see his face glowing. But when he went to talk to the Lord, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he had commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining, and Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. We live in 2020, right? So we're no strangers to wearing masks. Um, I don't know, and I'm going to give you an illustration, and, and for some reason, everything has to be political. This is not a political illustration. I am not taking a political stance. I'm simply going to illustrate the fact that right now in our culture, we are used to veiling our faces. We're used to putting masks on, taking them off. This is what Moses would, would do. Um, so I began to go to certain stores and I had those little disposable masks that you could buy. And I'd always leave them in my truck. And I'm like you, I'd get up to the store and there'd be a sign. You cannot enter unless you have a mask. And I'd be like, ah, I got to walk all the way through the Walmart parking lot and grab my mask and walk all the way back in. And so, you know, as more stores required you to wear a mask, I kept forgetting. So I, I bought one of these things at... Uh, Academy Sports is called a neck gaiter. And, and what I began to do is I would put this thing around my neck when I was running errands. And that way, when I got up to a store, if I needed to wear a mask, I would just, you know, slip it on. And I would go through and do my shopping. I'm a very claustrophobic person. I would feel like I couldn't breathe. I would try to hurry, get done what I needed to get done. And the first thing I did as soon as I walked out of Walmart is probably what you do. I'd pull that thing down and go, whew. I just don't like wearing them. In fact, I was complaining to my wife, Lindy. I was like, you know, I, I, I hate wearing masks. I can't breathe. She gave me no compassion. She just looked at me and said, well, if you don't like that, you ought to try wearing a bra every day, right? <laughs> so, is there an elder in here? Elder check. We still, I still have a job. 
Okay, right? <laughs> but, okay, but so think about this. When Moses was around the Israelite people, he would be masks. He would wear a mask. He would wear a veil. All right, but when he got away from the people, when he got away from the crowds, he'd pull that mask off because God could see through it anyway. And when he went to speak with God, he, he wouldn't wear a mask. So Moses wearing a mask was on a way different level than us. Now, Scripture tells us that he wore this mask because when he saw the backside of God, when he spent time with God, it would cause his face to glow and radiate. And I used to think that was the only reason that Moses wore that veil or that mask was simply because the people were afraid. And I think that was the case at first. But like all things, I'm sure they grew accustomed to it. But the Bible tells us that he continued to veil his face. He continued to wear a mask. And the Apostle Paul in the New Testament gives us another reason to why Moses continued to mask his face. And it, hint, it had nothing to do with COVID-19. However, it was super profound. I want you to see it. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Paul says this, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face, doesn't say because he didn't want to scare the people, does it? It says he would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. See, I used to think that he only wore masks because his face was too bright and the people were afraid. But Paul tells us in this passage that one of the reasons he put a veil over his face is that when he would leave God's presence, the glory of his brightness on his face with, would diminish with time. He didn't want people to see that God's glory was fading from his life. He'd be in the presence of God. His face, face would beam and radiate. He'd come down off the mountain and he would begin to lose that glow. So it either depressed him or embarrassed him. And he didn't want people to see that God's glory, God's diminishing light uh, was leaving his presence. And that's profound. And that leads us to ask this question of ourselves. It's a, it's a question that only you can answer. Your preacher, your elder, your wife, your husband. No one can answer this question for you but you. And the question is this. Is the glory of God fading from my life? Have I gotten so far away from God? Have I gotten in such a routine, in such a habit of not walking in light, of not being with God, that God's glory in my life is actually diminishing like the face of Moses? Am I spending enough time basking in the presence of God, in his glory, in his grace? In other words, am I still walking in the light with God? I've been in ministry for a lot of years now, and I see this happen all the time. So a person connects with God. They're saved. They're baptized. 
and they are on fire for the Lord, man. I mean, they, they could move mountains with their faith. When they first get saved, their light is burning, man. You can see it. But over time, that fire seems to be barely burning, and they turn into grumpy old church people. Now, if you're a grumpy old church pe- person, I'm not really talking about you per se, but you know what I'm saying? You've seen a person get saved and they're on fire and 10 years later, they're walking in the door, checking off the box. They walk out never to really commune with God just on Sundays. That's a diminishing light. It's a fire that's barely burning. That's a light bulb that's just flickering. You see, we got to continue to ask ourselves that Ephesians 5 question. Let me read that verse again, Ephesians 5, 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. You see, the more we walk with God, the more we consult with God, the more we obey God and listen to God and spend time in his presence, the more we begin to illuminate because he's our source of power and energy and light. The more time we spend with him, the brighter we will be. Some of you in here may remember these as kids, and some of you who are older may have kids that have these on, you, on their bedroom ceilings or walls, these glow stars. You know, you, you put these things up, and then when you turn the lights off, if you, you know, have them on your wall or your ceiling, you can actually kind of looks like you're in the solar system. Well, the crazy thing about these glow stars is, is really during the day, you're supposed to open your curtains because they capture light in themselves. And the more light they capture during the day, the brighter they will shine at night. And I want you to understand the same is true for you and I. The longer we spend, the more time we spend with who James calls in James 1.17, the father of lights, the brighter we're going to be, the more you and I are going to illuminate and radiate for Christ, the more we're going to shine. We can't put a veil or a mask over our lives and hide God's light. And so this brings us to the feet of Jesus Christ. And imagine him here teaching, all right? And this is what Jesus says. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 5. He says this, verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand so it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that, you, so that they may see your good works and give glory to who? Your Father who is in heaven. You know, I think there are two main things that block or veil or diminish God's light in our lives and can cause that light not to be seen. Number one is simply our pride our pride. This stems from narcissism, selfishness, that it's all about me. I'm kind of the center of the world. It doesn't really matter. Uh, only, the only thing that really matters is what affects me. And so our life is for our own glory, not for God's glory. It's all about me. Pride. The second thing that can veil or block that light in our lives 
is what the Bible calls the world. Now, don't picture the earth here. When we say the world, we mean worldly philosophy, worldly ideology, worldly teaching, the way, the, the, the twisted way that the world thinks. And if we let that and its desires into our hearts, it serves as a veil blocking out God's light from bursting forth. So before I was a preacher, um, I was a science teacher, a middle school science teacher. And so I'm going to give you an illustration. I hope it's not too clumsy. I hope, I hope we can grasp it here. I, I want you to think of it this way. Okay, so stay with me. The light of the physical world demonstrates how we should reflect the light of God onto the spiritual world. So let, let me give you this illustration. Imagine, if you would, in our illustration that God is the sun. Right, and I'm not saying God is the sun, so some, you know, some YouTuber is going to clip that and say I'm a heretic. I'm not saying that, but for our illustration, God is the sun. He is the source of light. Now, imagine yourself, you, as the moon, okay? Now, the moon, the only way that we can see the moon is because the sun's light hits the moon and it bounces back and, and we can see the moon. Without the sun, you wouldn't be able to see the moon. And so our light is not as bright as God's light, but it's reflected. But it's very effective for God's purposes. Now, imagine the earth that we live on, live on this big blue planet, imagine that as the world. And by the world, I mean lost people, people who are living in darkness. Okay, so God's the sun, you're the moon, and the world is lost people, lost sinners. Okay, so got that in your head? Now think about eclipses for a minute. So you can have either a solar eclipse or a lunar eclipse. In a solar eclipse, the moon, though it's infinitely smaller compared to the sun, positions itself directly between the earth and the sun, blocking the sun's rays so that it, it can be pitch dark uh, in, in midday. The, stun, the sun's still shining bright, but the light is blocked while the moon's on its way. So take a look at this picture. This was taken in Australia on November 13th, 2012 at noon uh, during a solar eclipse. Total darkness in midday. So the moon, or you and I, block out the sun, God's light. Christians can bring attention to themselves instead of directing that attention to God's glory. Remember what Jesus said in the passage we just read, Matthew chapter 5, that people would see our good works and give glory to the Father. Some of you aren't paying attention. I'm just kidding. So some people, and I'm talking church people, want attention. Look at me because I'm talented. Look at me because I'm beautiful. I'm a good businessman, so I should be a good church leader. Look at me. I'm funny. Look at me. I'm all muscled up. Look at me. I'm successful. They want people to focus on them for what they have or their, for their physical appearance. In other words, hear me. They want people to focus on them, not Christ in them. And even though we're small, like the moon, 
we can still come between the world and God and block the glory of God from being seen in those whom we could illuminate with his truth. And so instead of reflecting God's glory unto the world, we're in the way bringing darkness, the darkness associated with our pride instead. That's not what Jesus had in mind when he told us to let our light shine, that we get in the center, that we get in the way with our selfishness. Now think about a lunar eclipse. These aren't as fascinating because we don't live on the moon. But in a lunar eclipse, this happens when the earth blocks the sun's rays from reaching the moon. Okay, and so although the earth is smaller than the sun, it can completely darken the moon when it moves between the moon and the sun. Okay, that's a lunar eclipse. So think about this on a spiritual level. When we let the world get between us and our source of light, God, everything goes dark. Light diminishes. Our light diminishes. Our source of light is gone. You see, we can be so obsessed with things of this world, money, entertainment, sports, pleasure, work, that we have little time to be in the presence of God and be enlightened by his word, which is a light to our path that we may shine for others. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus has that famous sermon where he's talking about the parable of the sower and the different soils. And in verse 19, he says that the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of gathering riches choke out the word of God in our lives. It's like putting up blackout curtains. God's light can't come through. You know, I think a lot of us are more like Moses than we realized we do exactly what Jesus tells us not to do. Go back to Matthew 5, 14 and 15 as we wind this down. He says, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. You know, I think a lot of people wear masks. We come to church and, hey, brother, how you doing? God is good all the time. But when we get out in the world, we know our own heart. We know our disconnect from God. And so we don't want to talk to anyone about God. We're embarrassed. And so we throw up this, this veil. And people don't even know that we're Christians because we're ashamed or we're embarrassed by our own behavior, blocking out God's light. We hide the very light we're to reflect, either by our own pride or because we've let the world into our hearts. So the message is very simple this morning as we conclude. Pull off the veil. Let your light shine. You and I were created to reflect the light of Jesus from being illuminated within us and by being in God's presence. Just like a glow star, the more time we spend with God, the closer we are to the light, the more brightly we will reflect that light. The Father the more time we spend with the Father, the more we reflect his light. The less, obviously, the less. So it begs us to ask a few questions of ourselves. And we're going to tackle some of these next week. Am I continually feeding the light within by being in God's presence, by being in the word? I'm going to dispel some myths about what being in the word means, because that's like a church phrase. Got to be in the word. Um, we'll talk about exactly what that looks like. It looks far different than maybe some of you think. But am I 
feeding myself with God's light? Am I letting him transform me? Am I removing things in my life, things of the world, bad habits, attitudes, thoughts that inhibit the light from shining? Am I embarrassed about my faith? Am I hiding my faith under a bushel or under a veil instead of giving light to others? Friends, let us remove anything from our lives that inhibits the full glory of God from being reflected onto the dark world. And let's let God illuminate us on the inside and before other people. In other words, let's do what Jesus said to do. Pull the veil down and let our light shine to a dark, broken world. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate or partner with us in what God is doing here, check out our website at elevatecc.com. Until next time, God bless you and thanks again.